need a family of faith. And so it's just really incredible to be able to be in a place where we're not perfect and we don't try to be perfect, but we want to be family. And so I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I've experienced fake news. Like anyone out here experienced fake news before? Like sometimes you experience fake news whenever, you know, you have people talking about their favorite sports team. And uh, they say something and you're like, dude, that's just fake news. Like that is not true about your team. Uh, And then there's some times where, I don't know, like Marvel loves to do this, but... Marvel is just notorious with just giving fake news and just being like, hey, here's what's happening in the movie, and they give you a trailer, and then all of a sudden, like, you go to the movie theater, it's like, okay, that's not at all what just happened in that, in that uh, trailer. And then, you know, some of us have these friends that uh, they tell us some things about other friends, and it's just totally fake news. You're like, yeah, that's not, actually not true about this one person. And so maybe you've experienced fake news before. But just so we're on the same page, I want to show you just like some quick clips and some quick videos of maybe videos or pictures that you've seen before um, of people who, you know, they were just hanging out. They're in their kitchen or they're somewhere. And, you know, sons and daughters are awesome and they love to mess with their parents. And so they'd be like, hey, do you know that so-and-so died? Or like, oh, my goodness, so-and-so died. And the parents just freaking out. So I just want you to see this. We're on the same page. No, no. Taylor Swift dead at 33. No. George Clooney dead at 61. What? Mom, Harry Styles dead at 28. Shut up. No, I'm not. No. I'm not. I'm not. Okay. So that'll just kind of repeat so we can get off of that. My favorite is the guy who, like, he was standing there and his daughter's like, oh, my goodness, Taylor Swift. And he goes, no. No, not Taylor Swift, not the new album. I don't know. And so he was just he was just really, really upset. And so, you know, all of us have experienced fake news. All of us have experienced uh, these situations and these things. And so I use that as an example just to kind of get us on the same page. But at the same time, like I just want to point us biblically and even historically, because since the moment that Jesus came to earth, proclaiming and proving that he was the promised Messiah, proclaiming and proving that he was sent from the Lord as the Lord himself saying, I'm here to take away the sins of the world, to take away your sins, to prove that I am everything that the Old Testament points to. Since that day and since he has gone back to the throne of heaven, there have been people proclaiming fake news, Proclaiming fake news that, hey, you shouldn't believe this about Jesus. You should believe this about Jesus. Proclaiming fake news of like, man, Jesus is going to return on this day or or this hour. Proclaiming fake news to lead us astray away from leading us to the truth of Jesus. Trying to lead us astray instead instead of believing the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. Leading us to believe something else that's not true. Leading us to believe something else that's not biblical. And we have to continue to go back to what did Jesus say, what did Jesus do, what does the word of God say. And so there's going to be some times as we kind of look at return of the king, where we have to look at what have people said about this. And there's going to be times where we have to truly look at the Bible and the warnings of the Bible, because the Bible tells us that there's going to be some fake news. That there are going to be people trying to convince us of something else. And to warn us and to warn the church and to warn followers of Jesus that you're going to hear different things. You're going to hear different people. But you have to keep going back to the word of God. And so we're going to be in 1 John together today. 
1 John. It's kind of at the very end of, of your Bible before we get to Revelation. So if you just go all the way to Revelation and kind of go back a little bit, you'll find 1 John. But before we read 1 John, I just want to once again just kind of set the stage for this whole series. Uh, because we started it last week and then we're continuing today, but it's good for us to have a great reminder. And so when we think about the return of the king, the return of Jesus, we have to understand that in, in God's own timing and in his own way, he's going to bring the world to a very appropriate end. A very appropriate end according to his will and his timing. And Jesus is going to return very, very personally, very visibly. And he's going to come to us in, in all of his glory. And he's going to come bringing judgment and glory. And those who are, are unrighteous will be assigned to hell. And those who are righteous in Jesus Christ will spend eternity in the glory of the Lord and not his judgment. And so when he returns, we will be glorified with him, we'll be resurrected with him, we'll receive the reward of our Lord in that moment. And so we look forward to the return of the king. And as we talk about the return of the king, I just I want to teach you a word that maybe you know, maybe you don't know. Uh, but it's this really fancy, like, theological word uh, that talks about the last days, the return of the king. And the word is eschatology. Eschatology. So it's the study of last things. It's the study of, of how Jesus is going to return. It refers to these last things and the doctrine of what, what we believe as in Jesus returning and him actually returning in full glory and full judgment uh, to restore all things. And so as we study the return of the king, eschatology, some other things, um, we're going to have to be super focused because... Honestly, as human beings, and, and honestly, just kind of the way that we live our life, uh, Paul is just so clear on this that we kind of look at the world in a fuzzy way, in a little distorted way because of sin. And, and there's a lot of things that God has revealed to us, but there are some things that he just hasn't revealed. And so I just want to remind you what 1 Corinthians says in chapter 13, verses 9 and 12. It says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now, we see only a reflection as in the mirror. But then face to face. Now I know in part. But then I will know fully as I am fully known. And so that's really interesting how it ends. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. And so as we look at future things, as we look at the return of the king, and we know that there's a lot of questions out there. But we're going to really focus in on what can we know? What can we know right now in part? And so if you're there with me in, in 1 John, um, and I just hope that you haven't lost your place yet. And we're going to read it in just a moment, I promise. I promise. But as we read it, I just want to make sure that you notice some things in this passage. I want to make sure that you notice just the focal point of what John is trying to tell us. And so this is actually the very first point for us, and it's like the main focus for us. Like the main thing that you can like talk about during lunch or when you, talk, when you go to small groups. But here's the main thing. Remain in Christ. Remain in Christ. That's the very main thing. Like as we read this passage together... That very simple phrase of remain in Christ. 
It's something I hope that resonates with you. And, and maybe this is your first time in church or maybe this is your first time in church in a long time. I just want to say welcome. I know going to church is always kind of weird. It's always kind of difficult. Um, and so you might hear that phrase of remain in Christ and you might be asking, what in the world does that even mean? What in the world does it mean to remain in Christ? What does that even look like to remain in Christ? Well, that phrase remain in Christ can, can really be rephrased as like, Hold on to Christ. Hold on to Jesus Christ. Remain in him. And, and how do we do that? Well, we allow his word and his voice to fill our minds. We remain in Christ when we allow his word and his voice to fill our minds. We allow his word and his, and his voice to transform our affection. To transform our affection to people, to him, our affection to things. Like I want you to think about worship. What we give all of our affection to is what we worship. And so we allow Jesus and his word, his voice to fill our minds, transform our affection. And then also to direct our will and our path. So we allow his word and his voice to direct our will and our path. So this is what it means to remain in Christ, to hold on to Christ. And there's so much more to be said about that, trust me. But I want to remind you again of what John 15 says. John 15, so the same John who wrote 1 John, literally in the first four verses, it says this, is what Jesus was talking about. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And then verse 4 says this, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It's, it, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So again, the same John in 1 John and then John right here gives us this same picture and I want you to think about this. Before, before we read and we get into this, I just, I just really want you to think about this. Everything that we have, everything that you have has been given to you. Everything. Everything that you have has been given to you. I want you to think about when you were born. Like when you were born, you were born with nothing except that which only God gave to you. The breath that he gave to you, the family that he gave to you, the situation that he gave to you, the gifts that he gave to you, all, all the things that we were born with, it was given to you. And so everything that we have is a gift from the Lord. Everything that we do, everything that we see is a gift from him. So we have to seek him. We have to remain in the gift giver who is Christ. And so as we look at this passage and as we continue to look at the return of the king, we're, we're going to see John saying all of these things are going to happen. Or you're going to see all of these things, all of these people, but abide in Christ. Remain in Christ because apart from Christ, we have nothing. Apart from him, we have absolutely nothing. You were born into this world with nothing except that that was given to you from the Lord himself. And so as we talk about remaining in Christ, which is literally the entire focus here, the essential meaning of, of really remaining in the Lord, remaining in Christ, is receiving and trusting all that God has for us in Christ. So remaining in Christ is receiving and trusting, holding on to, 
everything that God has for us in Christ. And so I know that's a lot of context. I know that's a lot of setting up the passage. But it's really important to understand all of that as we get in into these verses. And so again, 1 John. 1 John. And we're going to actually start in verse 18 together. So 1 John. Chapter 2. I think I forgot to say the chapter. John chapter 2. And we'll be in verse 18. So it says this. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also remain in the Son and in the Father. And that is what he promised us, eternal life. And then verse 26. I am writing these things to you uh, about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And so here's what we see. We see that John is, is really helping us understand the fake news that's going to come as Jesus returns. He's talking about we're in the last days. And in the last days there will be these things. And so there's, three, there's these three things that I just want you to see in this passage that, that John is talking about. So he's saying in the last days, in the last days, there's going to be fake people. En los últimos días, hay personas falsas. The last days, there will be fake people. Now, all of us have encountered fake people, okay? Fake people who say one thing, but they're actually another. Those kind of fake people. But the kind of fake people we're talking about here is a little bit different. Those who maybe with their mouth said, man, man, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Jesus is great for, for someone else. And maybe they go to church or maybe they go to a small group or maybe they sit here. or Maybe they're just like, yeah, you know, Jesus, cool guy, cool teacher. But Jesus hasn't really transformed them. It's those kind of people who, who are anti-Jesus. And so I want you to see here just in verses 18 and 19 that John is talking about in the last days there will be fake people. Now... He's saying last days, and, and this was written about 2,000 years ago. And some people, they're like, when do the last days begin? Like, when are the last days? When are we going to know that we're in the last days? And it's like, my friends, <laughs> since, since Jesus was here, it has been the last days. Since the moment that he defeated death and ascended up into heaven, that's when the last days began. That's when the last days were upon us. That's when the last hour is. And so when he says, dear children, this is the last hour, man, 
we have to recognize that Jesus' return is, is closer than we think. That the last hour has been for quite some time now. And we don't know when, when he will return, but we know that it is close. It's the last hour. And there's some warnings here about fake people. And we have to evaluate our own life. Because it says here, not just one antichrist, but it actually highlights a multitude of antichrists. Of, of those who are anti-Jesus, literally antichrist against Jesus. And so as, as we read this, a lot of people could be focusing in like, oh, who's, who's like the antichrist? Like who is the enemy and, and what does that look like? It's like, cool. But what John is talking about here is those who are anti-Jesus, those who may be kind of try to fake being believers or maybe those who try to fake being Christians, but in reality they're not. And so we have to be real with that of how this passage focuses in on all those who, who are liars, all those who deny Jesus as the Christ, as the Lord, as the one who is, is the same as the Father. I mean, that's, that's what a lot of the Pharisees were really, like, hung up on. They're like, Jesus, how can you say that you and the Father are one? Like, how can you really say that? And Jesus continues to say, I and the Father are one. And so all of those who are not of, uh, of the Lord, man, they're these people who, in the last hour, they go out from us. So verse 19, it says, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us... They would have remained with us. But their going out showed that none of them belonged to us. Again, there, there are people, and you might know them, and, and maybe, uh, you know, this brings up memories, or I'm not sure, but <clears throat> you know people that maybe at one point were believers, at one point they were Christians, at one point they seemed to be devoted to the Lord. But then, whether it was a distraction of the world or sin, they, they, just, they just left. And it comes into question, well, okay, well, now they're not even proclaiming to be Christians, aren't proclaiming to be believers. Like, what happened there? And so, again, this passage very clearly tells us that it's, it's not a, a church role. It's not attendance that saves you. It's Jesus that saves you. And so it's not necessarily remaining in church. It's remaining in Christ. And so there are those who have left us or those who will leave in the last days. And maybe that's because they were just kind of saying things with their words but not truly believing in their heart that Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Savior. Because some people, again, are really good at saying, man, yeah, Jesus is great for you. Man, the Lord is great for you. Man, I've seen him do crazy cool things in your life, but I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. And then as believers, we've, we've all had these friends maybe that they have walked away. And let's be honest, can we just be real? Sometimes when we have friends walk away or family walk away, we go, oh, that looks kind of nice. That looks kind of nice. They're kind of doing what they want. They're their own boss. They're, they don't really care what people think. That, that, that looks kind of nice. And what we need to learn from this passage is that even when we see people walk away, and yes, we pray for them, and yes, we try our best to bring them back in, when we see people walk away and we have that temptation to, to walk away as well, man, we have to remain in Christ. Remain in his truth. Remain in his word. Remain in him. Because friends, let's just be honest. 
when there are people who don't believe in Jesus, who don't want anything to do with the church or with God, it's not because they had a bad experience with Jesus. Most of the time, it's because they had a bad experience with someone who says they believe in Jesus. And we have to recognize that we have to remain in Christ and understand that there is an eternity at stake, that the king is returning. And we don't want to be those, those hypocrites that people look at us and, and they say, yeah, I don't really want what you have because it seems like what you have is not very good. But friends, familia, what we have is, is everything. And, and again, I understand that when we see people kind of walk away and do their own thing, they're like, man, like, I, I don't want the authority of Jesus in my life. We have to remain in Christ. I understand how, how good it might feel to say, man, no one can tell me what I can do, not even God, not anyone. Like, it's, I just don't want to live under anyone's authority. But the best thing that we can do is remain in Christ. And understand that what we have received from Christ is the best thing in the entire world, and that's eternal life. This relationship with him. And so if we're going to remain in Christ, we have to understand that receiving that and trusting that and having this beautiful relationship with him can literally get us through anything, any situation, anywhere. Of, Lord, I want to remain in you. I want to trust you. I want to be with you. I want to hold on to what you have said. Understanding that in the last hour, there's going to be fake people. But not just fake people. I want us to keep going in, in this passage together. In the last days, there will also be fake perspectives. Fake perspectives. And again, I want you to look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. And I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. And I just want to stop right there. John is writing to the church, writing to believers, saying, you know the truth, right? Like, you know the truth, and you know that no lie comes from the truth. So I'm writing to you as someone who, who knows the truth, and so... Stop ignoring it. Stop ignoring the truth. Because some of the, the worst things that we can do is know the truth, know what has happened, and said, I don't care. One of the worst things that we can do is say, Jesus, that's super cool that you're on the cross. That's super cool that you rose from the grave. I just don't care. And so what John is saying is like, guys, you know the truth. I'm writing to you as people who know the truth. And so I want you to understand these things. And in verse 22 it says, uh, who is the liar? And again, this is exactly what I just talked about. It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. Denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son as the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son also has the Father. And so there's just a couple things here that, that we need to recognize in regards to this fake perspective that, that might be out there. There is this fake perspective out there sometimes that there is different levels of anointing. There's a fake perspective out there that, that, some, that some people are like closer to God than others. And, and some people have a greater anointing than others or, or they're kind of leveling up in, in their faith. But what, what John is talking about right here, he says, but you, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. 
but you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. But you have the Holy Spirit that is all wisdom, all truth inside of you. You have this anointing. You have the Holy Spirit. And so there's this fake perspective in those last days that there is different levels of anointing or different levels of having the Holy Spirit or, or different levels of, of Christianity. But my friends and, and familia, like when we look at this passage, we all have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And if we have the Holy Spirit in us, then we have the truth in us. So we remain in the truth. And let me ask you a question here. Again, we're trying to have this conversation. Do you like to live in a lie? ¿Te gusta vivir en mentiras? Like, do you like to live in a lie? How many of you just love to live in a lie? How many of you love it when people lie to you? We don't. We just we really don't. And so I ask people sometimes, I'm like, hey, like, do you actually value truth? Like, do you want to live in the truth? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, then why are you lying? Then why are you living in a lie? And it's interesting how it says that who's the liar? It's those who deny Jesus Christ, which is interesting. Because the truth is who Jesus is. It's what he's done. That is like objectively true, meaning it is true for all people, all places of all time. And anyone who does not believe in that is just a liar. And, and so we have to kind of think about that for a little bit. And so we see this anointing the Holy Spirit in us, that we have to look at Jesus and, and say, Jesus, like, I want to remain in you. But you see, when these false perspectives come, again, we have to be honest and, and recognize that they're a little enticing sometimes. They, they kind of feed our ego or they, they kind of feed our mind and our heart in a way that we just really love. And it's like, oh, may, maybe I am a little bit better than this person over here. Or, oh, maybe, maybe I am a little bit more Christian, you know, than my brother or my sister. But my friends, like, when it boils down to what, what John is saying in this, in this part, is that we have to have the culture of Christ. It's not about the American culture. It's not about the Latino culture. It's not about some other culture out there. It's about the culture of Christ. And this is what's so beautiful in regards to whenever we remain in Christ is that whenever false perspectives show up, man, we have to remain in Christ. Whenever we are a little tempted to be, you know, more, more American than a follower of Jesus, we have to remain in Christ. Whenever we're more tempted to be a little bit more Latino than, than a believer in Jesus, then we have to remain in Christ. In any other culture that comes our way. And so in a church like this one, in a church like ours, or just as believers in Tulsa, What's going to unify us is Jesus in understanding that, yes, we love all cultures and want to honor all cultures, but ultimately Jesus came to change everything. And so there are parts of our culture that have to change because there are, there are parts of our culture that deny Jesus. And so we have to remain in him and be part of the culture of Christ. And, you know, when I just look at the culture, even of Tulsa, like I just want you to think with me, just coffee shops and, and places and restaurants in Tulsa. Um, I'm not trying to call anything anyone out, but it's interesting to me how there are places that say that reality is a, is a point of view. That reality is whatever you make of it. That reality only, only comes from how you see it, which means that reality always changes. 
that reality is always different. And my friends, I don't know if I want to live in a world or live in a mindset where my reality always changes. And so whenever we're enticed or tempted by saying, man, that actually kind of sounds nice if I can just make my own reality. Man, my friends, (laughs) we have to remain in Christ and know that God is the only reality and the only one that gives value to the reality that we live in. And so we have to keep going back to what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? Hey, that's cool. That's a great idea. But what does the Bible say? And so the last thing I want us to look at, because it's important to see what the Bible says and the promises that God has given us through his word. The last thing that I want us to see is that in the last hour, in the last days, there will be fake promises. There will be fake promises. And that really comes from the very last verses here. And so as we look at verse 24, it says, As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. That truth that you heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And then look at this, verse 25. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. And I don't know, I don't know what the world has promised you. I don't know what sin has promised you. I don't know what people have promised you, but I can guarantee this. They have not promised you eternal life. Because Jesus, I think we said this last week, but Jesus did not come to give temporary life to you. He came to give eternal life to you. He came to give eternal life. And verse 26 continues and it says, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. Those fake promises. As for you, the anointing you have received, the Holy Spirit you received, remains from him, remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you, as his Holy Spirit teaches you about all things. And as that anointing is real and that Holy Spirit is real, it's not counterfeit. Just as it has taught you, remain in him. Let the truth remain in you. And what is that truth? Eternal life. Like if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, the truth is in you. If the truth is in you, an eternal life is in you. And it's just amazing because when we look at Scripture, we try to define what is eternal life. Eternal life is not some kind of golden road out there in the you know, future. But eternal life is to know God and for God to know you. So it's amazing to think about how eternal life actually started the moment that you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Think about that. And then, whenever we draw our last breath or the king returns, man, we will be with the Lord. And just as we saw in John 15, we will know as we are fully known. We will know as we are fully known. And we have to recognize that there are fake promises in the world. There are fake promises that that sin wants us to believe in. But we have to remain in Christ and understand that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That the Lord is greater. And, And I don't know what promises, again, distract you. I don't know what promises lead you astray. But no promise is greater than the promise in Jesus Christ. No promise is greater than the promise that you would be sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
No promise is, is greater than that. And I, I really debated, I'll be honest, I really debated on using this example or not today. Um, but while I was driving here, I was like, I, I think I just need to use it. And so uh, this past Thursday, I got to go to the hospital. Um, I was in the hospital. Someone else was in the hospital. And uh, I got to go and, and, and visit a young man and his family. And, uh, and I got to see this passage play out in front of me. I got to see this passage play out in front of me because I saw a young man who was not believing in the fake people. He was not believing in the fake perspectives. He was not believing in the fake promises. He was believing and remaining in Christ. And so maybe you've heard of, of Harrison Mosby. And if you don't know, I'd like to put up a picture uh, on the screen. Harrison Mosby is about 26 years old and a uh, firefighter, strong guy, beautiful family, two little girls, and then he was hit with cancer. And so he's been fighting cancer and fighting cancer. And as you can tell, there, there is cancer on one side of his body. And so they tried really, really hard to, to get rid of the cancer and tried really, really hard. But Harrison is in his last days. He's in his last hours. So we're there at the hospital and we have a group of men and women around this hospital bed. And we're kneeling down and we're praying. And, uh, and at one point, you know, we, we stop praying and he just looks at us and he goes, guys, just, just pray that my family and I would continue to remain in Christ. Pray that in the midst of this situation that, that my family would know that God can take care of them way better than I can ever take care of them. And so I got to see with my own eyes a young man who's around my age in the hospital bed with complete faith in Jesus that Jesus was going to heal him. Now, he said, Jesus will heal me on this side of heaven. Or I know for a fact that he has promised that he will heal me on the other side. That when I'm with him, I will be completely healed. And so as we go through this series, yes, we're going to be talking about preparing. Preparing for the return of the king. But there are moments like on Thursday where we have to look at someone and, and say, we're going to we're going to work together to prepare you to return to your king as you draw your last breaths. And so in a moment like this and in a moment of looking at this, this scripture, I think sometimes the, the typical question is, are you ready, <laughs> right? Are you ready for the return of the king? But I, I really don't want to ask that question. My question is this, are you remaining in Christ? Are you remaining in Christ? Have you been running? Have you been lazy? Are you remaining in Christ? And so we're going to go ahead and, and pray together and continue in our service. Señor, te ruego que tú nos enseñes 
cómo permanecer en ti. Lord, I pray that you would teach us on how to remain in you. Lord, thank you for the example in this moment that Harrison Mosby is giving to us. This example of remaining in you even if we're questioning if tomorrow's guaranteed. Señor, gracias por tus promesas. God, thank you for your promises that are true promises and not fake promises. Lord, I pray that as we are just hit with different distractions, Lord, that we would remain in you, that we would take seriously your holiness and how we are to be faithful and obedient to you and, and live in holiness. God, we praise you and, and, and we love you because everything that we have has been given by you. Señor, te alabamos, Lord, we worship you. Te damos toda la gloria. We give you all of the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.